ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by, lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pretend Worlds Real People. How are you guys doing? It's a beautiful Saturday. Well, for you guys, it'll be Monday, but for us, it's Saturday uh, in Denver, Colorado. Um, oh, don't tell them where we are. They already know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am one of your hosts, Stephanie. And I am Tyler. Oh, that was loud. And this is your podcast where we uh, interview people um, in the theater and film industries um, and find out more about them and why their jobs are valid and why their stories are awesome. And you listen to it for those reasons, hopefully. So uh, welcome. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a new friend today. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited. A previous guest. Uh, if you have not listened to Rob White's episode please go listen to that one after this episode um but we have his lovely girlfriend joining us today she is an actress she is a stunt-based badass and also apparently a fan of starbucks um <laughs> as we see <laughs> through the zoom it's not a cold brew it's yeah, a hot brew it's a, i love it um yeah no talia is our first um uh guest to actually reach out to us which is so exciting because it makes us feel like a way more valid podcast <laughs> rather than be like hey friend so uh yeah tyler make you want to do the intro yes please everybody snap your fingers and welcome <laughs> talia dillingham Yay! Woo! I wanted the sound bite. Thank I know, you. right? Hi! <laughs> an air horn. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, we're so happy to have you on here. How are you? I'm very well. I am slowly getting caffeinated. Thank you for uh, being that invasive and sharing with everyone. Yeah. I, I didn't say what size the cup was. <laughs> the child size yeah it's what is that the trenta the one that I'm you can go swimming in figure clearly the like puppuccino yeah. size cup it's oh like four goodness. ounces yes of whipped cream yeah oh <laughs> that's i mean that's how i want to start my day every day that'd be great <laughs> oh so talia um let uh tell us about you and what you do and why we're so excited about this Oh, I, you'll have to tell me why you're so excited okay, about this. Fair. I will never choose to speak for you, but <laughs> let's help you be more excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am actually a Hollywood-based stunt woman. I moved to LA in 2008. And when everybody asks why I chose to, my favorite joke slash realism is I came here to fail. Um that was the end all be all accomplishing goal that I wanted to achieve. Uh, my dad's an engineer. And so a traditional four-year academic education is very important. And furthermore, he saved all that cash fund for me to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. So from high school, I did a, a college, a, what is it? A, a junior college program. And I was definitely following in hard math and sciences, actually like theory of everything. Brian Greene is one of my favorite authors uh, super appealed to me. And I also thought I'd find like a lot of answers in the world there and just be on the forefront of something. 
like groundbreaking. Literally, some of these people are inventing math. And I just found that so alluring. Wait, 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 wait. They're all, math is still being invented? Yeah. Okay. I had an issue <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when invisible uh, or imaginary numbers were introduced. And I was like, fuck this shit. What the hell is, that's just bullshit. I don't like that math can be invented more. <laughs> but I'm also very interested. Continue, sorry, I just had to get that out. So I think in the condensed version on this tangent is math is a language. And just okay, like language fair. evolves in the usage and application has different meanings. Same thing with math, like you'll need to use different functions, et cetera, to describe what you are observing. And as new things get observed in our existence, you need some kind of language to account for that. All right, that's fair, I guess. I oh just... my goodness. But also the reason I went into theater and not math. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is where my little heart gets giddy and I'm like, Uh ooh, fascinating. But then I realize I still read English and there's authors that get published. I'm Mm -hmm. just now way behind the times from Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So is that your your type of nerddom if you come across uh, like a a new journal entry or article that acknowledges new math languages? Are you... I don't seek it out as much because I'm so far removed and like the muscle is definitely not existent anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) The understanding that it is available is there. Uh, But I will say, here's a recommendation. Here's a good tiptoe in is, whoa, I don't know what just happened on my computer. Um, Particle Fever is a documentary. It's about the Hadron Collider. Ooh. And I think they do a very good job about describing like the disparity between theoretical physics and uh, practical observed like experimental physics so okay that was the path and then once I realized that beyond academic the career aspect is basically all consuming because I did uh-huh. a professor at a local uh, four-year university it was just exhausting and there was no time for any other thing in their personal life in fact, wow. he joked, he's like, I saw a picture of him in a surfboard. I was like, that's so cool. You do all this. And then you also do all that physical stuff, which I'm innately attuned for. And he's like, not anymore, kid. I sleep under my desk. I was like, I like oh, the bed. <laughs> like, yep. Oh, no. So anybody like seeking that's young, high school age or figuring out their life path, definitely do yourself a favor and figure out what the career associated with your academics is. Yes. It will serve you so much. Yeah, that makes sense. So once I realized I did not want actually the career for the academics, I shifted and realized that concurrently I was carrying a full dance load. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did the whole, my junior college was actually very good and we performed one show, if not more, every single semester. So by the time I was done with it, I actually started doing that in high school. I think I'd done like eight to 10 shows. I definitely had the the draw for a live audience, for the feedback, for like everything that is involved. Actually, definitely we had to do some of our own stage. Uh, I was a stage hand. I'm a masterful follow spot operator. Yes, uh, we need those. <laughs> <laughs> I was offered a job by uh, our lighting designer came down from Chico and we're in a rehearsal and I'm on a spot and I realized there was the secondary spot was not there. So they were like both an arm reach away. So I switched them both on and I knew the choreography that I was able to follow everyone. What? And he went to me and he's like, hey, here's a note on like, we need this a little hotter. We need this a little sooner, whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, and then to the other person, we need this and this. And I was like, okay. And he's like, wait, where's the other person? I was like, no, 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 it's me. And he's like, 
how? No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, I did both of that. And he's like, if you want a job, you have it. <laughs> That's I was like, awesome. okay. Yeah. Um, but I then had all of this experience in my junior college years and told my dad like, Hey, I'm not doing the hard math and sciences. I'm definitely pursuing this performance career. And since it's important and valuable for you, for me to go to college and the piggy bank is there, I'm going to go to Irvine uh, for dance. Mm. And he's like, I am not paying for dance. So I was like, well, mm. me neither. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but I knew that I wanted to be creative and performing. Um, and I grew up in California. So I would go to like the theme parks down here, Universal, Disney, all of that, Fantasmic, uh, Waterworld, Terminator, all those shows, those live venues. Uh, and I thought they were very fun, always cool. Watching Waterworld, especially Helen, I was like, that is awesome. I dove in high school. I was like, I can do that. I could do that. I'd love to learn that. I bet you I'd be great at that. And so I looked into stunts because also there is a reality with the dance world. I do it for my soul and it fulfills me passionately, creatively, but I didn't ever want to chase food on the table mm -hmm. for that job. I didn't ever want to hate the joys that dancing brought, mm -hmm. uh, whereas stunts was nothing. It just was physical, still performance. Why not give it a go? And then when I committed to moving to LA, I fully expected to chew me up and spit me out. And then I would really hunker down and be a responsible adult, get a good job and do all the right things. And then we learned that that is a fallacy that doesn't exist anywhere in reality. <laughs> good job. We'll commit. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I ended up doing uh, stunts. And, and, and the beauty was there was always these other things on my list, like rock climbing, motorcycle. Um, I actually never, ever was interested. Very Californian upbringing, like pretty blue. My dad was on a military base. It's his job and like guns were bad. So we just never had the conversation. But I did end up booking Sarah Connor, who wields an AR-15. Mm. First time I shot a weapon, I cried. That's not an exaggeration. I just had this very visceral, like loud boom. And that's taking a life. Like that was the function, yeah. whether hunting or wartime or whatever, like that was its intention. And it felt very against my beliefs to wield that kind of power. Right. Wow. So I had an emotional experience to that. But then when I realized I also like this job and nobody's dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of best like, of both worlds, right? <laughs> hey, maybe I could give this a go. And truthfully, it has completely like that experience has flopped my beliefs. I think that education is always key. And once you're informed on a topic, then you have the ability to make mm -hmm. a choice about it. And mm -hmm. if you decide you still don't want to engage with that, awesome. But I think you should definitely have the choice too. And I'm fulfilled by, by doing it and by portraying cops and detectives and things that are real in our world, right? Because other people that may not have exposure to those things now get to see it through the work that we do. And the more proficient we do it, the better the storytelling. Huh. Yeah. And that's, uh, that, that moment where you're firing off the, the, you said it was an AR-15, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that, that sort of like celestial connection to something a little bit greater as far as just overall understanding. Do you find that in 
And I'm picturing you like starting stunts, going through a checklist of like, okay, gotta learn gun skills. I gotta rock climb. I gotta ride a motorcycle. So do you find those moments within each like prep for a stunt that you're doing or uh, trying to uh, like acclimate yourself to a certain activity? So here's the thing that I've always loved for me. Also, I have many mentors, but one of my mentors, um, and just for context, stunts draws from a lot of backgrounds, like race car drivers are very well suited to car work, gymnastics Mm -hmm. are very well suited to aerial awareness, martial artists are generally quick to translate into fight choreography, a lot of circus performers come in and are very versatile. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, things like dancers are great for fight reactions and uh, are used to doing a lot of damage to their bodies. There's kind of those niche things that come in, right? So this mentor is a race car or like definitely the automotive background. Um, And one thing he says about hiring stunt performers is he never wants his performer to be redlined. So for people that are not car savvy, if you think about roads in your car, when you redline, you're pushing your car to the max and it's probably a higher failure rate, right? So you never want to bring in that person that's just now learning this skill to come in but already is so confident. They've got an extra easy 20, hopefully 50% physical capacity to do this job so that you're massively limiting the risk of it going poorly. They'll have an out. They'll have an extra 50% of their natural or trained ability to get out of a jam. And I honestly think a lot of stunts is training the instincts, right? You, I assume both of you can drive Mm -hmm. and I can drive as well. And so when it's regular pedestrian driving, you know, obeying traffic laws, we're all on the same page. But when somebody cuts you off, what is your instincts take you to versus what do my instincts take me to? I probably have a very high percentage rate of coming out much better, less property damage or less personal damage, right? And that's what you want in a stunt performer. So yeah, I'm always training, but I hardly am thinking about I'm training for this job that I just got. I probably didn't book the job if I don't already have a very solid base for that work. That's good to know. What um, what would is like a typical training day involve, um, especially if you do want to improve a skill because you would like to, uh, up, you know, apply or audition. I'm not even quite sure how that works um, for uh, you know a potential job where they're like we're going to need you to jump out of this helicopter and land on this roof and, you know, whatever versus you need to drive this, you need to be in a car chase and be driving this car. Like how do you approach learning a new stunt skill? So, and this is just my personal opinion. I think there's definitely two, if you're simplifying a career paths for a stunt performer, Okay. one is to be a specialist. Like there's some Red Bull cliff divers that are stunts. And that's a very specific skill set, right? And that took a lifetime of career as a cliff diver. And now they can just bring it in quickly and easily. And they get hired for those things. Like there's actually alias Jennifer Gardner did an oil rig jump. Mm. I don't know that her double was exactly perfect size and physique. However, there was about one female that was able to jump off of a hundred foot oil rig. Mm -hmm. So the coordinator had one call to make. (laughs) And that's a specialty. Uh, now I've made a different choice and I grew up with a lot of physical activities in my world and mom wanted me in gymnastics, dad wanted me in martial arts. I found passion and love in dance. Um, and then I just, I, I love new and exciting and variety. 
So I've just chosen to follow my heart and the whims really like I like rock climbing. I love, I have a motorcycle and I love that. Uh, the firearms I brought in cause I wanted it for this particular thing. So I started training until I got proficient and now I'm, uh, an all around stunt woman, <clears throat> very versatile, uh, which lends me very well to doubling. Mm-hmm. I'm also Hollywood size. And I joke, that's probably one of my greatest attributes. Like I fit their clothes. Uh, and with that, when a script is written for, you know, a lifetime or whatever you're watching in this storyline, I'm very likely going to be able to do all of it because it's not all at a hundred percent. It's all kind of, you know, maybe you get like a tackle through glass windows into the, to the table and then the fight goes outside and now you're in the pool. Well, I can definitely swim. Um, I was in a past life able to take that very hard hit. I'm very familiar with working with glass. And there's certain things like glass breaks. You don't just say, Hey, I want to learn this thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's when mentorship really comes in and you get to talk to the people that have done it. I'm also very, very strong with fire. That is of all the disciplines, my happiest space, not a thing you go to a gym and train. Right. Uh, That's where the networking and the connections come in. I've stood in the sidelines of a lot of sets and a yeah. lot of, um, you know, test rehearsals, et cetera. Um, I remember the very first time I was put on extinguisher. So I have itty bitty baby girly hands. Okay. Like from my middle finger to the bottom of my palm, it's not very long. And when you have to grab an extinguisher, it's particularly wide. So I didn't have the, the width or strength to grab the handle and make it go. So in the heat of the moment, and mind you, we're burning a trellis. This is just a fire test, no risk of life or limb, but I, I'm supposed to put it out and the call is made out, out, out. And I grab and I realize I don't have the strength and this thing is not operating. So I dropped the extinguisher on the ground, put my weight into it, wrapped my hand around, and then I just came in with it on. So I problem solved quickly in the moment and it was out. Mm-hmm. However, fire is a very tricky thing and seconds make the difference between a first and a third degree or hospital right. Mm-hmm. So the person that was there was very assertive in the sense of that's unacceptable. That can't happen. <laughs> but it's like, I had that moment right there when the stakes were very low mm-hmm. to figure out that I need that step. So I shouldn't be holding it, you know, or if I am holding it, I need to run in and do like a little drop step. Or if there's a smaller extinguisher, all of these things, I'm now very aware of these things. But and are you doing anything um, like with, with all that being said, I feel like you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of being thrown into the fire with those situations. Do you have any like separate no hobbies? Outside? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anything, um, you know, outside of the job that you're doing to increase your uh, proprioceptive awareness or like the ability to tap into a flow state? Um are you, are you doing anything? I'm what do those words mean? I just got the biggest <laughs> eyes from Steph. Um, so for those listening, proprioceptive awareness is the um, art of uh, really fine-tuning your body's attention to to balance and to um, essentially like situational awareness along with flow. When you go into you know a moment like that where the fire extinguisher is too big um, for your hand, you go into um, like the survival instinct kick in. Like, automatically so is there uh, I've always wanted to know asking somebody who does stunts is there something you do whether it's like you know uh meditation or trail running or you know just just different things you do to kind of help keep that 
that level increased or are you just like super awesome you're like i'm just naturally gifted <laughs> well here's the thing i will say i think personally i was never the athlete in school i was always the smart player i just learned what i needed to do and i would anticipate needs so i wasn't necessarily the strongest or the most gifted um and i will say coming to la going a little bit back into training as well there would be days that i would easily train five things in a day but for me it was always just so fun that i chose to yeah. do it swimming some people think that's a workout that's like breathing i love it give me the water i'm in a happy place <laughs> trail running or just running or walking trails also fun people think that's an exercise and hey man if you're not doing it that's a good place to start getting off your couch if you're not doing anything good place to start but for me i just thrive on on living fully and experiencing tactilely so yeah swimming is great running is great cycling is great and then i would probably do something more stunt specialized trampoline or like being in wires or uh fight choreography things like that. Even I would call like weapons handling a training. Also stunt driving is a training. So those all come together. And sometimes I'm doing multiples in one day. And so just by the innate love that I have of doing these things, I am improving. Uh, these skills are now becoming uh, intuitive, right? And then interesting. So I'm going to go on to proprioception. I did experience this a little bit with uh, my injury because I lost my proprioception. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. The easiest way it was described to me is the idea of when most people put their hands behind their backs, they can touch finger to finger mm -hmm. because you have an awareness of your body. For me, if my hands left my sight, I, they left space. Mm. I didn't understand where they were anymore. When I actually started to move my feet, I had to do it with a mirror so that I could have a, a mind connection because I didn't necessarily have the body connection. Interesting. Let's go, I guess then let's introduce wow. what this injury was and what happened. Um, yeah. I mean, I have tons of questions about stunt stuff specifically, but since you brought it up, like what, what happened? Uh, so, in the early part of my stunt career, I will say that along with fire loved wires and I was developing a high proficiency on it. I got hired to do a drop. So I was about 30 feet up and the character falls through frame. So I'm on a wire and I'm doing a free fall and I'm stopping at a mid air mark. Um, there's a lot of professional savvy that comes into making that happen. And the best way I can relate it is most people in a car, if you see a red light ahead of you, you will slowly depress the brake and make it a smooth, slow, gradual stop, right? You stopped, but you don't really experience any physical jarring. Now, if someone cuts out in front of you, you might tap the brakes a little harder and you'll feel that momentum shift into your body. And if you hit an impact, it's a much more aggressive physical outcome on your body. <clears throat> So from about 30 feet up, dropping 15 to 20 feet through frame, I then had a mid-air stop mark. We did one go and it was great. I did feel it a little like jarring in my harness, uh, but a stunt is kind of like, that's what I'm hired for, it sucked, breathe it. You know, breathe through it, walk it off kid, keep going. Um, and then the note was, it's a little floaty. So we want it to actually look like, you know, just, free fall, like a real fall. 
So I'm not sure what happened on the rigging team side. A change was made. I trusted them implicitly, which also I feel like was, that's my role to play in it. I could have asked more questions. They could have asked for another rehearsal. If we would have seen a bag, it might've bounced more aggressively. But I was like, they got me, we got us, let's go. Also, I wanted to be somewhere else. So it was in a hurry, so not, uh-huh. not advisable. <laughs> Uh, the next time we did it, it was faster. I did fall more free fall. And when I stopped, the deceleration was not there. So I just kind of bounced and the weak spot happened to be my cervical spine, C4 to C7, created the discs into my spinal cord. So it ended up being a spinal cord bruising, which left me temporarily paralyzed. And it was a comeback from that. How long ago did this happen? In 2018, May of 2018. And how far into your your recovery are you? Uh, It's now, so 2019, 2020, those two years in May. Oh, wait, yes. So we're working to three years now. Yeah. Once May rolls around, it'll be three years. Sorry, I guess I meant like uh, in terms of your full body recovery, Hmm. uh, not time-wise, but just like mobility (sighs) and non-paralyzation. And What a great question. Who are you asking? <laughs> <laughs> you. you any of my doctors, I'm already the outlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they are far more pleased with my recovery than they could ever be. If you ask me, I've still got a long way to go because I was such a high peak physicality. Sure. Some things I would have considered basic like pull-ups and push-ups. Uh, only in this year did I just get a like strict good form push-up mm. back, which I've never had to think about ever because of just the innate physicality that I've had. Uh, but definitely that was a long conversation with the doctors and I about, uh, you know, I don't, I, I will say I never, I lost my body for maybe the first 20 minutes I was dangling and I just, I never lost consciousness, which is weird, but like, I remember having the idea of, I don't know where my hip is. I don't know where this room is. And then when they put me on the mats, I couldn't really sense i could only i could see that i was lowering based on what i'm observing but i couldn't feel the proprioception my body moving through that space i could not tell that i got to the ground and when most people would reach out right for the tactile stuff my team placed me put me in a recovery position rolled me over and then they slowly started poking like what is this can you feel this and for a while it was no 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 it was like oh you that's the lower half of my body that's the upper half of my body that's all i could tell and then I got pins and needles on one side. I was like, yes, it's a comeback. Um, Cause it was something over nothing. So yeah. it was a very freeing, like, ah, I'm not lost. Oh. Um, but then it was like, oh, that's a leg. Oh, that's a foot, maybe, you know, and they would confirm it today. My legs came back very, very quickly. My arms were actually uh, prolonged, which is apparently a medical anomaly. That's particularly strange. Huh. Wow. Um, I don't know the, the works behind that, uh, but Plenty of the doctors were like, if you can feed yourself again, we'll call it a success. Wow. You can live Mm. unassisted. That would be incredible. So I actually left the hospital um, immobile. Like I was not able to walk out of there. I had to get shifted from my wheelchair to the car, et cetera. I was in a seat collar for a very long time. but then I went to an inpatient rehab facility and that was, that was actually a very, I'm not going to lie. I would never trade that experience for anything in my mm. whole entire life. Because if you want to talk about a moment of gratitude, it was just so incredible to see all of these people who are 
by normal definitions, handicapped, right? Mm -hmm. Some of them are in their like awesome power chairs zipping around. Um, Oddly, it was a lot of gang related violence, Mm -hmm. gunshot wounds. Yeah. But these people just felt like they were in the happiest place in their life because they still had life. And a lot Mm -hmm. of them made a lot of choices and you just adapt. And then if that's your world, you work with it and then you make the most of it. And so to just see that much like brimming joy and passion and zest for life coming from a highly physical experience of life to still being like restricted that much and like music, whether I'm dancing to it or not, like I can still absolutely engage and love everything about music. Um, but I was just too, I was also too stubborn and I wasn't really going to accept um, much alternative than literally getting back on my feet. Yeah. Oh my God. And where, where do you feel right now as far as your progress goes? I mean, how do you feel about um, where you're at this moment and where, say where you want to be in the next six months? Um, I joke that I am definitely healed enough to get hurt again. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Throw me off again. I'm good. I'm ready to go. Like I'm, I'm not committed to this bubble life. There's there's some residual um, fear. I'm not, I have been back on wires, but I feel my body go into this very protective, mm-hmm. like, we don't like this, don't do this. Um, and I think that's just a matter of everything. Like, I'm, I don't want to say I'm back at the beginning, but I've also learned a lot of new skills. So I'm just learning. I can't think of it as a skill that I had before because that's always really like a, a bummer to think about. But if it's like, I've done this before and I know how to accomplish this, let me just get down to doing it. Yeah. And then also it's inspired me to try different things because like, I don't really love dancing just because my brain is like, no, we do this. And then I watch like, that's so stiff or awkward or whatever. Like, <laughs> I either have to get rid of mirrors and get rid of like anything that sees me and just do or um, I found I found some rollerblades and I was like, I've never really done that. Let me learn this. Like, that'll be fun. Or choosing things that um, I at one point rode a century bicycle ride with my dad. So I know at one point I had the endurance. I definitely, um, getting back on a bicycle was actually mentally very tough because mm. there was a sense of fear with like losing the control of my feet on the ground. Uh, but I've done it and I crossed that hurdle. I, I will say I'm far more cautious. Like kids have... Uh, the bliss of ignorance where they don't understand that a task they're taking on may lead to a fall, but they go for it and then they fall and that just like expedites their learning curve. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, I've lost that expedited learning curve because I'm not willing to fall until I can get in a gym, which Corona has definitely hindered that largely. Right. If I can get an eight inch pad under me, like I've done a few things in my house, with my yoga mat, but I'm not willing to go from full standing, but I've just conditioned my body to remember the, the landing positions and all of these very technical aspects of falling properly or falling safely so that you can fall multiple times and get up and do it again. Uh, I would need a gym space now to escalate that, which I've not had the ability because of the pandemic we're in, but once I get there, who knows, who knows? So <laughs> that's, an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing. Seriously. Cause like it, it's, you know, it's funny, Tyler and I have been binging Cobra Kai on Netflix and I, I keep thinking, about thinking it because, <laughs> um, a, just all of the fighting is clearly a bunch of stunt people. And then sorry, spoilers. Um, in season three, one of the main characters is a 
paralyzed from you know the waist down or whatever and like the whole season seems to be trying to get him back on his feet and obviously it's happening way faster than it really would and all this stuff but it's so it's just nice to hear from someone who's actually even experienced it to be like yep that's bullshit tv but that's okay It's such a sordid relationship with that season yeah. of Cobra Kai. Also, yeah. they showed that flashback excessively. I know. Oh, yeah. I agree. You're I agree. Agree. <laughs> you get it. You, you, you don't saw need it, to see know. it again. Yep. But every time it's like, here it is. Yep. Uh, wah, 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 wah. And I'm like, no. Yep. Yep. We no, don't want to see that. it anymore. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say, like, I do, I, I do now have a hard time watching even my friends, like, on a line. Sure. In, in the capacity that I got hurt. Because, like, there was never, and that, that ignorance is bliss, right? Like, there are injuries. And the, the thing with stunts is the stakes are very high. Mm-hmm. They can be. Not every stunt is a very, like, you know, rough and tumble, like, potentially lose life however I do have thankfully I've never personally experienced this but I do have mentors that have lost friends and mm-hmm. colleagues on set mm-hmm. that has happened I've heard and actually we had a really rough year where there was somebody on Walking Dead and somebody on Deadpool 2 and um you know there's just some mistakes that you can't come back from which mm-hmm. is why preparation in the world of stunts you know, having a great team, having a very solid coordinator, having performers that are not redlining their abilities, all of these factors. Uh, I love to ask questions. <laughs> and even then with my experience, you know, it may be limited and that's why you kind of get the best for the job. I'm not a car person, so I would never dream that I, I can get in a car, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have to implicitly trust that my coordinator hired me and fabbed out the car for the needs of what's happening, right? And if it's not, if I have any hesitation, then, and that's where I feel like it's different from acting. I can't be competitive and say, no, I want the money. Because if the stakes go too high, it's not worth it for anyone at all. Sure. Can you kind of give us a range of like the smallest, quote unquote, safest stunt you've ever done versus like some of the, largest craziest stunts like what when do the tv personnel make the decision all right we're going to take the actor out and put the stunt person in um like what is that and i'm sure it's different for every show but i think i have four examples okay Okay. so the easiest stunt and this is i've heard this before is a babysitting job you go in and you sign your contract and that was the hardest part of your day And they will do that when they have an actor that uh, maybe wants to try this stunt, but for some reason they're not certain they have a proficiency or or capability, or maybe the stunt person will just do it better. Uh, I've also heard some, like there was an actor that was hired and they filmed out all of them doing their stunts. And then once the actor was gone, the stunt person came in and did it just like on an egoic catering thing. And they cut in the best work of everybody. Wow. Um, so for me, I remember I did Gem in the Holograms and it was doubling and it was, it was just high work. It was very, for a stunt person, very seemingly simple work, just mm-hmm. standing, I think on the 20th story outside of the building, right? So your mm-hmm. safety harnessed off, I've got my harness. I could do that. No problem. Anytime, any day. A lot of people can, even people that just love heights could do mm-hmm. that. Right. You just have to have that ability and not like lose your cool and be able to act and perform. So we kind of walk across the edge and then there's like a foot slip, but you're not going anywhere and you have a line the actress was fine she was super happy to do it no questions with heights it was all her she did everything it was audrey peoples she was great 
hardest part of my J was helping her get in and out of her harness for bathroom breaks. Like they learned my name because they're like, she's got a 10 one. So I would help her and just make sure that her harness was fitting properly and stitched down correctly. That That's a safety element, right? But the rest of it on her. So I had a very simple day. Uh, they did use me for the wide. And then when it came to the movie, I think the whole scene was cut anyways, right? <laughs> yeah. Of course. Happy to be there. <laughs> Um, I think this is like a middle of the road one. I doubled for Anna Ferris on Mom, and it was very fun. So spoilers, I guess. Nah. Yeah. Um, her and Allison Janney are in a wedding shop shopping for a dress for her daughter, and they get into a small fight where uh, Anna jumps on Allison's back, and then just kind of gets swung around the whole shop. And that wasn't physically demanding for me. Honestly, it was the best, I think to this day, my favorite job because it's like, <laughs> hey, you know, when your mom says, mind your manners and stay in line, literally set deck is like, I've fabbed all these hooks so that if you just take it, like they'll come down real easy, make sure you get this dress from this dress, make a mess. Don't forget the mannequin, kick over the table. It's like, yes, what else? What else? <laughs> awesome. uh, and I was literally long for the ride like the, there was a double for Alice and Janney who could hold my weight etc and so she was just carrying me around and I'm just letting my legs kick over everything and then we kind of slowly crumpled I wouldn't even call it a fall to the ground uh super fun side note there we did it and then the coordinator's like you made Al Pacino laugh and I was like huh what <laughs> So Chuck Lorre is the EP on that show and Al Pacino had a meeting and they met at the studio so he watched our scene and apparently that's Al amazing it's particularly funny so I'm like okay that's a made it moment i'm gonna check <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if i do nothing awesome. else my existence like the supreme talent watched my work and enjoyed amazing uh, and then i think one of the hardest jobs where it's like truthfully on those other two calls the biggest thing was to fit the body type of the actress if it wasn't me it could have been a lot of other stuff people that are very capable and that's you know well below their abilities maybe not a, but above actors abilities and and like in the first example not above her abilities she was completely on the comfortable and loved the work uh but i will say in those instances i was hired on that first example because if for some reason she did mentally feel unsafe or uncomfortable and couldn't then it would have cost production way more to cancel everyone cast and crew for the day or try to renegotiate how and what they could film than just pay me as a contingency yeah. to yeah. make sure the day happens. Makes right? sense. Just a security. Uh, and then the last one that I super loved and was probably one of my most technically, you know, I don't want to say difficult because for me it wasn't difficult, but also going back to the zone, uh, Tyler, was I doubled for Tessa on American Horror Story on the Roanoke season. And there is a point where she comes in and they get basically speared and burnt at the stake. So I did the rigging rehearsal. She did all the wire stuff actually on camera, but I was there to test the rig for her. And then when it's a full body, it was a full body fire burn. And there's levels within fire, uh, partial burns, you know, like maybe an arm, full partial, et cetera. And they just escalate till you have nothing but ball of fire. And that is what they were going for. So that is a lot of prep, a lot of time. Um, and 
The other thing is the story will indicate what you get to do. And most of the time movement is fantastic. If you actually, uh, the VMAs, I don't remember what year we did it, but it was, I apologize. Is it Kendrick Lamar? Lamar Kendrick? Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Okay. So Kendrick Lamar opened that VMAs and there was a lot of fire happening. So I was on the fire safety team. There's people like crawling on this fire wall. And so I was in charge of one dedicated performer. We had one safety per each performer. And then there was a ninja that came out and he did a, a particularly long live burn. But the thing is when you're on fire, you don't, you initially the basics is don't breathe because just the exhaust fumes, et cetera, the heat, there's just so many elements that you can singe uh, your, you know, esophagus into your lungs it could do a lot of damage. So if you just don't breathe, then you're fine, which is why they try to keep fire burns to a minimum. Um, always, I always love when it's like, we have three cameras rolling. So 10 seconds of a burn gets us 30 seconds of footage. It's like, yes, thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but in that example, he was able to move and when you can actually move and waft the flames behind you, you can kind of suck in little bits of mm. air. And so that's that's something that will help a fire burn. Now, if you lose that, it's just a breath hold. Another good indicator is when you're vertical, then you, the performer, feels like maybe something's going wrong or a misstep or a slip or you're getting hot or whatever. You can just go flat to the ground and that's a very easy, quick visual indicator. Put me out, right? And that's when those seconds matter. So on this American Horror Story fire burn, uh, I'm as big as I possibly can be. I am not moving because I am on a post. I'm actually off the ground. I had to climb a ladder to get to my position. So I have no way. <laughs> there was one signal that I was told to do and I showed it in rehearsal and my fire coordinator was like, oh, we can't actually see that because your body's blocking it from where we're going to be standing. So I did it like I found there was a new position, but also by the end of the day, the flames were so big that it's unclear that they would have seen it. So everything just had to be completely perfect, right? And that's one of those things where the stakes go very high, that it is either highly successful or it is the alternative. And that was, that was my like, honestly, favorite thing. There were so many notes about it. I, and that's when, because the stakes are so high, it's uh, like a perception narrowing. You do go, or I did personally into an instinctual, like I'm only listening to my fire coordinator and maybe the director, maybe, right? Yeah. But the director's function is not to keep my, well, hopefully it is to keep my life um, out of harm's way, but also their ultimate goal is to get what they need for the story, right? right? Whereas my fire coordinator's full function is to make sure it is a hundred percent safe and goes very well. So anything he told me, that's all I was listening. All the other chatter, all of anything else going on. What about the wig? What about this? So like, I don't know if that happened. Maybe it mm -hmm. did, maybe it didn't. I just like zoned in and just got myself in a very calm, cool state. Also with fire, you do go slight hyperthermic. That's part of the process. Mm -hmm. So people are like, oh my gosh, is it hot? Well, if it's hot, I might be in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just like hypothermic. You're excited to be lit because it's like, oh, yeah. I'm tired. It's great, you know. Uh, but then they light you up, and as long as you're comfortable, it's going great. And then if anything gets a little warm, and this is something called residual heat. So like, when you put a pan on the oven, 
and you light it with flames, it's going to warm up. It's going to heat. Well, you'll turn off the oven, but you know, or I think most of you have learned <laughs> the pan, right? Cause just because yeah. the flame is off, there's still heat there. So even once you put the fire out, you're not immediately back to room temperature. Like things are still residual heat. Uh, so if you feel first degree burn, which is a sunburn, but you give it another three minutes before you, or three seconds before the flame goes out, that mm -hmm. might do a bit more heat damage to you. So, but you learn wow. these things. Oh my, and you know what? I, <laughs> I would be in the doghouse if I didn't ask you, because we looked through your IMDb before we, we uh, okay. started the call, because we just, we had Good job. research <laughs> and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, but this house is huge for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And oh! I saw that you had doubled for Chelsea Peretti, right? I did. I think three separate times in season three. Oh my God. Uh, I have not seen the show like all the way through, through its entirety. Um, but I just wanted to ask, you know, for, for that experience, I'm not sure what the, what the stunt was, um, but have you noticed, I guess, varying levels of, of oversight depending on the project? So for like American Horror Story, you know, they have these really grand pieces like, you know, somebody going up in flames. But for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it could be something as simple as somebody, uh, you know, faking, falling off of the top of a building or um, what's his name, uh, Steph Boyle in the- Yeah, Charles Boyle. The vents yeah. falling yeah. To, the, <laughs> to the ground. Um, but I guess I just wanted to hear more about, you know, um, if there's any difference between working on a uh, like private network project like American Horror Story for FXX uh, compared to working for, I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine was, uh, was Fox, right? No, it's uh, NBC. It was NBC? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, is there any difference as far as uh, stunts go for that? I think the biggest difference is the contract I sign. Mm. Ooh, Okay. You know, so it's a base rate, but then the residual payouts are very different based on where it's airing. So you do get residuals as a stunt person. I definitely get, I'm part of SAG-AFTRA. That is my union. Thank I you. do get residuals. Um, I will say I'm not as business savvy on that part as I should be. When it worked for mom and it worked for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I loved it. I saw a lot of money over and over and over again. When yeah. it worked for American Horror Story, as much as I was a fan, it's not the same payout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For residuals, the day that I work is the same. And that's just a base contract negotiation. But as far as the stunts, no, no difference. Because in real time, in, you know, physicality, they have to make all the same safety precautions. So mm -hmm. uh, the budget level may indicate how big or how expensive and what they're willing to pay for it. Uh, I know that features for a long time were able to pay, you know, their budgets were much bigger. So they can have these very elaborate, long drawn out like fight sequences or like the big, like 10 explosions all at once, right? The money's there. The budget is there. The consideration for it, I don't think is any different because the goal is always the same. Mm -hmm. It is utmost safety first. Make sure that everybody can do it and do it again if they need to and walk away from the end of the day uh, as well as. So that's the actual real-time physicality, but then there's the storytelling. That's what we're doing, right? If it doesn't aid the story, then we've missed the mark as well on a creative front. Right. And that comes down to the coordinator. So whoever the coordinator is, if they're good at their job, those are the two functions that they need to accomplish. And 
then it comes down to the script and what's available money-wise for them to accomplish those goals. So again, one of my mentors, actually the same race car mentor, he has said, you know, he worked a lot of features. He's like, I would rather go through the whole script and then read through storytelling. And some people will put in things that are just cool. Like, I just want to see this happen. It's like, awesome. But if he would read it and realize that that stunt doesn't necessarily progress the story, that would take a bit of his budget to accomplish his goal for no real story payoff. Whereas he could say, let's, you know, minimize this or shoot it differently. So it's not a stunt releasing more of his budget to then put it elsewhere in like the more glorious or more grand or more uh, impactful moment of the story. But whether that happens on a feature or that happens at a television level or it happens on whatever it is, real time, it should be the same. Yeah. Um, is there a stunt that you haven't done yet that you would really like to do, um, you know, hoping that you make your, in your brain, full recovery and whatnot? Is there always something or like even maybe just a job in general of, you know, sometimes you see when you're watching behind the scenes videos and it's like you're watching a Marvel movie and, and you know, uh, Chris Pratt is with his personal stunt person because, and like, is that a goal that you want where like you are not just there for the day, but it's, you know, kind of, or yeah. So to that end, prior to injury, a hundred percent, the biggest job security that a stunt performer could have is to be contracted to an actor. Yeah. Um, actors understand that, but I know, um, a few, I think Steve Carell has a contracted double, uh, Ben Stiller has a contracted double, uh, definitely a few other people that I'm not coming up with now. Uh, there, I think Reese's, Reese had a reoccurring double often. It was always the same gal. Uh, that's awesome because one, there's some job security. Uh, actually, funny enough, Ben Stiller's double is also uh, Frank Grillo's double. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, the guy that did Antonio Banderas also did a, a Trejo. No way. It, yeah, he's, he's funny. He's like, I've doubled for the most like what, attractive Latino and like you know, the spectrum <laughs> of breath because it's body type hair and makeup yeah. does the rest. And also if you see their personal face, it's kind of kills the magic. So mm -hmm. it's always Andy doing those things or it's always Danny doing those things, but their body is probably someone else. Um, <laughs> so that was always the goal. I would have loved to have been contracted to an actress for certain, for a number of reasons. I feel like with collaboration and just reoccurring work experiences, you kind of develop an unspoken language. I know Tarantino is very good. He actually uses Zoe Bell often and always mm. since she doubled for Uma Thurman. Yeah. Uh, she's in a way like one of the most famous stunt people, uh, but that's not mandatory. I, I do know that in that sense, uh, some people have been able to negotiate higher rates for themselves, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays I have, what do we want to do now? I always love fire. I still absolutely love water, a hundred percent. Actually, that was the first job I did coming back was doubling for Kristen Wiig and it was an underwater job. Um, and it was essentially, ultimately I was an underwater stand-in truthfully. Sure. Uh, but again, you don't want to redline your performer, right? You don't want to pull somebody from central casting that says I'm scuba certified and they haven't dove in 10 years and don't even are no longer familiar with equipment, right? I'm very familiar and I do this on the regular. I'm super comfortable. So there was no questions or concerns. Any requests they made, I was able to easily fulfill it. Makes the day easier. Yeah. 
Fire, water, for sure. I would love to get back and get comfortable with wires. I don't know if you ever saw the show O in Vegas. Mm-mm. No. Okay. The, the Cirque du Soleil show, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Mm-mm. So that was a Cirque show. Like, that's my secret fandom. I'm like, wow, these people are, these are godly people for me, right? Like, of their abilities, I'm just like, I could never, I'm not worthy. <laughs> uh, but they open on an aerialist and she's just in a harness, basically flipping around. You want to talk proprioception. Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure she defied physics because I don't know how she was able to self-motivate these movements. And then also like gracefully and beautifully make them, you know, happen and like hit a mark. And just like, if she was twirling and twirling and then stop (laughs) and look so easy. Like, so the dance part squirrel. Like, I don't even know how they do it, but yeah. like the muscle tone, everything in them, it's like they can twitch some oblique that nobody else actually has. Yeah. It, might be a mutation. <laughs> it might just be a mutation and then I'll give it up. But <laughs> like, I do love dancing. And so I love going aerial and then dancing. And that's it. I, I don't need to perform it, but man, would I love to just like keep on keeping on with that and for nothing else than my own personal goals if someone finds a place to put me in later actually with the mocap world I feel like that's also I'm looking in that direction um to expand my career and and I will say as a result of the injury I had to get very serious Mm -hmm. and there were long talks I had like in the hospital bed of okay well I can Stephen Hawking's the rest of my life like I did start with this math and science stuff like I, I did not lose the ability to learn I'm still mentally capable and sharp. It will take me some time to study, but I'll, I can do that. That's an option I have. And then as I got a little more mobility, a little more mobility, I got a little more bold. And then it's like, well, do I like architecture? Like, do I like interior design? Do I love people in groups? Like maybe I can wedding plan. Do those fulfill me? Maybe. <laughs> but it kind of came back to like, I really do love the people I've met on set. Do I maybe try hair and makeup? Like, I don't think I'd be bad at it. I just have to learn it. And I'm still in the world. Uh, and then I continued and I, I, so I don't sit still very long. <laughs> don't know who's surprised by that statement. <laughs> Most of the time people are like, you can take a break. And I'm like, sure. Didn't I? I, I had a sip of water. That's a break, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> I had to stop doing and switch gears to hydrate, to keep mm-hmm, doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. That counts. Um, so then I have an agent, a commercial agent, and I always hate when I'm in a room and they're like, say these words. I'm like, yep, I can read the thing over, but the sun looks great, right? Cool. <laughs> it's a giant pit in my stomach. I hate it anytime. So he's like, talk on camera. I'm like, not what I do, not what I want. So while I was in a very immobile state, I was like, let me, uh, I can get around. And I, I, okay, I was at my parents' house and I hated it. I love my parents and I love that they were able to provide that for me. Uh, I was at risk of falling in the shower. So until I was able to remove that, like they, they just felt better. And I was willing to give them that. Also, I didn't have much choice. I couldn't like run away. So um, (laughs) then I went to, I came down to LA and I saw my friends and it was a 4th of July party. And they're like, how are you doing? I was like, it's fine. I'm back in my small town, three meals a day, just waiting for mom and dad to get home so they can drive me anywhere, you know? And one of the advices was, why don't you learn something? I was like, I don't, no, why don't I? Let me see. So I looked to magic, improv, and acting. Um, I'm a big, yeah, that's like one of my ancillary kind of besides circus performers that I love. And there's a lot of crossover. We go to the Magic Castle a lot when it was mm. open. I just, 
I love that. So I want the mystery. I want to believe in Santa Claus. Like I want it to be real magic. Harry Potter, they're out there. Yeah. Not talking about it. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I'll take a magic class. I actually had a friend of mine that was a magician and they call him a broken woman when they passed away. He passed away. I was like, well, maybe. And he'd offered me a moment to be an assistant. I was like, well, I missed that boat. Maybe I'll study magic. Uh, so I looked to magic castle classes. And then I had done groundlings at a previous point. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, funny is always good for healing. Maybe I'll dive into that. And then I ended up looking at, um, I did some research on different acting types and styles. And I came across Meisner and that resonated most with me. And that just happened to be the first class that was starting immediately. I was like, yes, get me out of here now. <laughs> like my parents will release me if I have something to do. So I actually started to Uber and walk. I would walk home from the studio uh, because I had my little like everything. I couldn't yeah. drive yet. So rather than just dumping a, money, a lot of money into Uber, I would walk and Uber. I would Uber there so I was ever late and then I would walk home, which actually <laughs> was very good for memorizing because it's a lot of time to just start working lines. Um, and I was, I, the only reason was like, hey, I've got an agent. And I hate talking on camera. Let me do her this solid. And then my actor friends were like, but you chose Meisner. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Okay. I just, I just need it out. And it worked. And so, and then through actually, I did a quick intensive. Uh, I really found that I love to play with an emotional palette now. Uh, and then I did actually follow up with the Groundlings class, which is where I met Rob, uh, making funny faces and just being utter goofballs. And there's something so freeing in that too. And so in that physical downtime, I found a lot of revived sense of play and fun. And I definitely, yeah, now want to incorporate more of the acting performance into physical performances. That's awesome. That is so just incredible that you locked yourself down. And I'm, I have to do something, you know, like I, I gotta, I gotta move, move past or move with this, whatever is going to happen in the next few years. And um, I, I do want to uh, ask you as we're kind of um, getting closer to, to our time limit, what is, um, you know, out of the, the, the plethora of, you know, pieces of advice you've given so many people through this one recording alone, what's like your pivotal piece of advice to give anybody uh, either entering this industry or like us working in the industry, but now we're just kind of like twiddling our thumbs trying to find the next thing. Um, what's something you, you think would help a lot of people, just a piece of advice you have? Um, I would say even outside of an industry, just for me personally, honesty and reflection hmm. to really dive deep into yourself and ask yourself some of the hard questions. The industry in particular is not very easy or friendly. You're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to get what you may perceive as setbacks, right? And I will say with this industry, it's funny because people will just dump a lot of money and go into massive debt for college, right? To then get a career that's going to pay that back, uh, which I don't see much difference in trying this career. You're probably going to pay for a lot of classes. It's just not at a proper institution. You might do some work for free, but that's also experience. But I feel like a lot of people get jaded with, why am I just doing all this work for no money? And it's like, well, there's no money right now. So you can have a little more patience, right? But then there's a real question. Do you need the money? You know, do you need a quick timeline to get into 
everyday work, which also you may not ever get everyday work, but once you get to like union rates, you may not need everyday work, you know? <laughs> um, but you need to know that some people like family is a big question for a lot of people. I can do that once I get this. Okay, so what if you never get this or you don't get this in your timeline? Mm-hmm. You've And nobody can answer that for you, except you. Mm-hmm. So do do that work. Wow, that, like that. that hit me. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> to the heart pew 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 yeah (laughs) I love it um do you have anything um that you're working on or even just something um I love honestly I love that we didn't even talk about COVID this episode we've been uh focusing on it but um just because it's how we're all affected by right now but I kind of love that we didn't but is there anything that you're doing uh right now um that you want to kind of tell people about whether it's uh newfound hobby that you like or uh, a podcast you're listening to I don't know anything that you'd want to promote or even if there's like a job you just did and you're like check out this movie in you know two years or whatever I don't know um I I will share I've had a few auditions come through which is fantastic um Yay. at this point in time I didn't mention but I did sprain my ankle so it's sedentary work However, the fun thing is, uh, so the plug is I'm still getting after that career for sure, but the show must go on. And so even though I needed to be on my feet and I'm not allowed to walk and I didn't want to bring crutches in, Rob was actually here and we framed out, like I put chairs down. So I just knee walked. I put my bad leg on the chair seat and then like I spaced my chairs out so I could regular stride, knee stride, regular stride, knee stride. Nice. So creative problem solving. Oh, um, nice. And then, yeah, just, I don't know. Check into my IMDb. I think that's probably the best place to see what's new and ongoing. There was a feature I worked on prior to COVID that has had a delayed release because of COVID. Um, I'm sure as things pick up, I will definitely get more credits because there's not really any other option for me. Whether that's <laughs> acting stunts to be determined. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely hustling a, a mocap mentor. So you might see me in that, in the volume. Yes. In, in the that volume. space at some point. Um, yeah, I really don't know what direction I'm heading. So just IMDb. And then also I have an Instagram. Oh, cool. Who knows? Maybe I will engage with it more and maybe you'll just see where I'm at. That sounds I don't know. Awesome. One of us added you on Instagram and didn't get a follow back. So. <laughs> that would probably be Tyler. So that's the thing is like, I am the worst with, is that like. <laughs> no, I'm just giving you crap. <laughs> I do not like the social media. This is where my anxiety comes in. In person, we are friends. Is that not, is that not good enough? Uh-huh. Join us, share your stories, tell the world. God, oh, oh my god follow I'm rob s- honestly you'll see more of me there than <laughs> <laughs> he does he, he is like your your cameraman yeah <laughs> oh it's great i'll see stories and it's like you've been tagged i'm like cool thanks for streamlining that for me babe yeah <laughs> nice stuff call it a day amazing oh this was awesome so yeah i have <sighs> so many more questions and but it would i feel like we could talk for another three hours and that's not fun for anybody listening. Um, 
they made but, it to the gas station they they need a break right right exactly they've already actually paused this a couple times and like have finished it over the couple of days you know some people do that like i'm not a podcaster that can or listener that can like stop my podcast and then finish it later usually funny thing i listen to i love youtube and i love podcasts but i will listen to them on double time oh what's that you can change the speed so when i practiced accents i found out on youtube you can slow it down so for accent work i need it very delayed but for content like consumption i amp it up so that it's like i can listen to squirrels talk and still retain uh fun fact though i listened to the podcast with rob and i could not double time it because he already speaks so quickly that i was like oh my gosh i lost I, I, I could only go to time and a half, but that's a way to consume these things. Quickly. Yeah, that's a good idea. Life hack. Love it. Oh my God. It's going to be like squirrels talking throughout the house now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, this is a podcast house. Only I'm the only one that likes to uh, leave my earbuds in if I'm listening or I'll turn mine off. These two are like, I'm making food. You get to listen to my podcast about ghosts and shit. And I'm like, cool. That's fine. Um, yes. But again, Talia, thank you so much. This was excellent. And we can't wait to do like a comeback episode with you. I honestly, I really think that's what's going to happen is once we all get our careers back in some capacity, we're going to need to kind of circle back around and check in with all of our guests who were kind of for sure waiting around. So definitely uh, uh, stay in touch. But And I am going to plug my friend. Do it. They, they are a, a them, JC. And I just, I'm honestly, I want them to come on because I want to hear their experience within the industry with their particular niche market demographic. Yes, please. All right. Peer pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you if you're listening. Uh, Yes, please. Um, And with that being said, if you are listening and you are in the industry, um, please email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. We, this was great. And, and it's uh, extra exciting to kind of talk to someone who you, we don't know personally um, and really learn about that. So if you have a story, which if you're working in the industry, you have a story, please, please, please email us. Um, we definitely want new people. Yes. Um, we, uh, I mean, you emailed us. Yeah, we did. So yeah. turnaround times were very quick. Oh yeah. We have um, n- really nothing as we, far as yeah, full-time jobs. We're, like uh, said, <laughs> we're <cover laughs> a lot. So. Yeah, yeah, we're like, pause it. Pause the fight scene. We got an email. <laughs> but yes, please. If you like, like just just reach out honestly or even social media like just mm-hmm. send us a message we're cool I, well not cool but we, we no we, i will agree you're cool <laughs> thanks validation you yes. got it we cool and, and please uh, um yeah. like and subscribe give us a rating on anywhere you listen to this podcast uh five star preferably <laughs> if it is less than five stars you need to tell us why yeah and also um where your address um yeah. <laughs> you can get a sticker uh, as a bride. No. That's right. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you want See? a sticker, just uh either be our guest or um la- review us and leave us a re- a rating. Yeah. Uh I said those words backwards, so I was very confused. 
and we'd love to send you a sticker because we do we want we want more people to listen and and uh get this out there so um and we're constantly trying to improve this podcast so stick with us and hopefully we'll get better and better yeah spread the word Um, all right Um, all right i think it's time for our awkward goodbye yeah do you want to join us talia just say goodbye in the most awkward way you possibly could oh okay okay (laughs) bye Bye. Bye.